Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Smitty's a great guy. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. We're into Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Just so we know things, uh, there's full transparency on a Monday. I have no access to the sound drop button bar. That is all Elijah Herbal starting this week uh, with uh, appropriate brown nosing. can join us today at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. Uh, we'll spend some time next segment with Greg Smith. Recruiting insider is guess where Gregor's is at? Gregor's is at a practice of a four-star tight end. We will talk to him on the football field. I don't know that Greg will be doing instruction on how to beat a jam off the line of scrimmage, but he could. So we'll uh, get uh, Greg Smith's thoughts on Kobe Brett's, his commitment, standout talent from Westside. Of course, Wednesday, the Thomas Fedoni announcement is looming. We'll talk to Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride. Monday's with Charlie, and I am betting that our, our scheduled guest at 525 is probably hanging out with this guy, Nick Saban, as, as, as to why we, 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 have, uh, we have not confirmed today Lars Anderson. We had confirmation yesterday, we had confirmation Friday, as a follow, and we may have Lars on in the five o'clock hour. Lars may be running down things because I don't know. There's a COVID outbreak in Tuscaloosa, and you've had things shut down at LSU, at least in-person learning. So I got to ask you, Elijah Herbal, you and the mustache. I know that'll keep COVID away. <laughs> but how is in-person class today? Uh, it wasn't too bad. It was nice. How, to many, be- how many courses did you have to go to? One. <laughs> but I, I, I went around rock. campus. I, I went and looked for my books and stuff. Uh, didn't buy them, but I looked for them. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. Everyone seemed to be masked up pretty well when we were inside. Outside was a little bit, it was like 50-50 if people were wearing masks mm-hmm. or not. Um, but inside the classroom, everyone's six feet apart and wearing a mask. feels relatively safe. All right, what, what class did you have today? Uh, today was my advertising public relations capstone course. Uh-huh. So we get a client for the semester. And we get to make an advertising campaign. Is that client the Big Ten? Uh, they need it. Let me tell you what. I, I could do a better job than they could. I'll just say that right now. Um, Hypothetically speaking, for us college students within the Big Ten, how would you handle the Big Ten's PR nightmare the last two weeks? Go. Well, step one is keep Kevin Warren away from any and all cameras. Well, see, he's, <laughs> he's on a Zoom meeting today with... This was reported by Nicole Arbach of The Athletic, also Pat Forty, and I think Adam Rittenberg is 
put it out there, but you have Kevin Warren is doing a conference call today. So I was wrong. It's not Zoom, but it's a conference call with uh, more than 100 Big Ten athletes, coaches, and administrators. Uh, This is a chance for some dialogue, but Pat Forty doesn't believe Warren will change his decision. Um, And Tom Dean Hart put this perfectly. Why now? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? Why are you reaching out to coaches and players and a uh, hundred folks from around the Big Ten now, after you've blown up their season and and really provided no information. There is new information out from attorney Mike Flood and the Nebraska parents he represents. We will get more in-depth to that, but the short answer is no phone call, no response, no nothing. Nada from the Big Ten office when it comes to their response by the Husker parents on transparency and documents being released to them to come and come to the the realization and, and better understanding as to why this decision shook out. And I know it's Monday and I know we're supposed to turn the page and I know but listen, I, I want to give a lot of credit to a really talented guy and, and we talked to uh, talk to uh, we, we in our history we've talked to Sam quite a bit. Uh, haven't recently, but Sam McEwen does nice work, uh, beyond nice work for the World Herald. And he had a really good column and story that, that aired. And that's something that I want to get into, uh, his, his chat with Moose. And it was all laid out. It was all laid out as to what what didn't happen, okay? And... One of my favorite Zeppelin songs is Communication Breakdown, but I don't want that being the the lasting image and stamp on 2020 for the Big Ten Conference. But it's what it's going to be. It's absolutely what it's going to be. What, what did not happen for the Big Ten coaches and athletic directors and I, God love Bill Moose for just speaking out and speaking honestly and speaking openly. You need to be a lobbyist. You got to pick a side as commissioner, commissioner for Big Ten athletics. You don't need to straddle the fence and, and, and not bring all parties together it's your job and while there is a little bit of of pressure not much but there's a little more okay clearly on chancellors and presidents with this decision here's your messenger in commissioner warren well the way bill moose spoke in the article to sam was hey The Big Ten coaches, the Big Ten athletic directors, all unanimous. We want to play football in the fall. That's Minnesota. That's the Big Ten West. That's Nebraska. That's Northwestern. That's Michigan. That's Michigan State. That everybody from Nebraska to Rutgers, spanning. 
all of the states, all of the schools, they all said, we want to play. This is where we're at. We think things are going to be okay. Can you please communicate that to the folks you got to talk to? That's chancellors and presidents. Now, you may ask yourself, well, gee, can't the athletic director and coach communicate that to the chancellor and president of their own school? Sure. But does Indiana know how Michigan State feels? I'm sure everybody knows how Nebraska feels. But beyond that, does does uh, Penn State's folks or does Wisconsin's brass know where Gene Smith and, and Ryan Day are coming from? Probably. But all 14 can't read each other's minds. The chancellors and presidents can't read the minds of athletic directors and coaches from other schools. And the athletic directors and coaches were not on Zoom calls. They were not included on calls with the commissioner and the medical decision makers. The athletic directors and presidents did not get together with the commissioner. There was no dialogue between ADs and coaches and presidents and chancellors. There was nothing. There was no reaching out to Barry Alvarez to make an argument to sway a possible no. There was no reaching out to Bill Moose, who's been at the helm of of three monster universities, Oregon, Washington State, and Nebraska. Barry Alvarez, for God's sake, has been running the Big Ten, kind of coda Jim Delaney forever. He's a godfather. Gene Smith is fantastic with what he's got to manage at Ohio State. No communication attempt to get all parties in the room together. My only reason, maybe no one wanted to foot the bill for going over 45 minutes on Zoom. I kid. But seriously, how can that happen? And even in a a sit-down with, I think it was Teddy Greenstein, kind of going, you know, I I should have done X, Y, and Z better. Kevin, Commissioner Warren's going, you know, I should have got every No crap. You should have got everybody together. Hear all sides. Let all sides speak. And Bill Moose, in his comments about the commissioner, just beautiful. He prefaced it as to this is the worst time ever to take over a job, and it's probably the worst person ever to follow. We're going to talk big-time college athletics and Power 5 commissioners. Jim Delaney. Jim Delaney took this approach, too, that Commissioner Warren had. And I don't think there was as much communication as there could have or should have been when the Big Ten added Penn State. But, I mean, Delaney was adding a team that had just gone undefeated, or, excuse me, in their second year in conference, won the league and went to the Rose Bowl. That pissed everybody off in the Big Ten. But when it came time to add Penn State, Delaney kind of made a, a, a call. This will be good for the Big Ten. We're good to go. This is what we think. He didn't know that 
you had Satan incarnate working for Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky. But from a on-field performance and rankings and cachet, getting Penn State was, was, was huge and a great call, strictly speaking, on the football field. And, and strictly speaking now, they're number seven in the AP poll that they won't get to defend. Ohio State's number two. But you, you have Warren trying to, I guess, make up for it now with, uh, some, so, with a conference call. But you didn't even have, I go back to A Few Good Men, the movie, right? You had Tom Cruise trying to figure out how to defend two Marines. And one major part of his case that gets botched is one of the defendants uh, wasn't even in the room. Wasn't even in the room when the code red was ordered. That's how I feel. How do you not get input from Moose and Alvarez and Gene Smith and go down the list? Not only with the medical people, but with the presidents and chancellors. That whole party needed to be locked in a conference room six feet apart in downtown Chicago, and they needed to hash it out or have a last man standing contest to make a decision. Didn't happen. So, moving forward, the bad news is that the college football playoff is moving forward, and you'll have your national college football semifinal on January 1st, the same day the Big Ten's supposed to start games, if they have this winter schedule. Because I want to watch football that has no bearing on a championship, or quite frankly, games that, that won't matter, while I can watch probably three of the four SEC teams, Bama, Georgia, LSU, uh, play Clemson. That's how the SEC's always wanted it. So that's kind of the news of the weekend that's got me hot and bothered. And it is absolutely, I won't say criminal, but it's unconscionable that there were not steps taken to include everyone's voice. You know, we talk about inclusion in society. And Spencer Tillman went off on this on Twitter, uh, having different backgrounds and voices and points of view makes the world a better place. Well, it would have made the Big Ten a hell of a lot better place had that happened when it comes to the calls and who Commissioner Warren was serving. Clearly has a conflict of interest. The people that got him hired versus the people he represents. And he represents the coaches and athletic directors and he, and he absolutely represents the student-athletes. I'm not taking that, fall, that phone call. I'm not participating in that phone call. Unless this is a Hail Mary, unless he gets browbeaten enough with this conference call in dialogue to say, I'm sorry, oops, I, I made a mistake. Let's reopen the season and push back. That's not happening. But it'd be really cool if it did. No chance, though. Probably not. Not, but, not with how the past two weeks has gone. No, and, and it's gone from bad to worse. Exactly. I mean, it's gone from bad to worse. And, and he, has, he has a, I mean, he's supposed to work for everybody. But he clearly was not the lobbyist he needed to be. And he did not bring the concerns of the coaches, players, and athletic directors strongly enough 
And if he can't communicate that, if he's going to get mowed over by chancellors and presidents, then let the coaches and ADs speak for themselves. They're quite good at doing that. They're great at commanding a room and getting their point across. And it's a perspective that he doesn't get because he's from the NFL and doesn't get an economic impact in State College or Columbus or Nebraska, where everyone's coming out now going, yeah, we're, we're talking about a $120 million shortfall, and we're talking millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to communities where businesses and families are going to suffer. Bill Moose can communicate that. And he can communicate that to a chancellor or president at Rutgers or Michigan State or Minnesota that ensure about a season. Greg Smith's up next. Recruiting news with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time on a Monday. Charlie McBride coming up Mondays with Charlie. We welcome in uh, Recruiting Insider with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. He is on a field trip today across the river. We will uh, not ask how much he won or lost at the blackjack table, but he is uh, checking out Thomas Fidoni. We welcome in Greg Smith. Greg, thanks for a few minutes at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Dude, what prompted this uh, and how many, t- how many touchdowns have you caught? <laughs> well, you know, I just thought it might be some good timing to come out across the river and catch some good tight end play. Uh, there have been no no touchdowns caught uh, so far. Cause actually, I've only seen him play defense so far. It looks like he's going to play some outside linebacker uh, for Lewis Central this year as well. You know, Thomas Fidoni, uh, his announcement coming up uh, Wednesday, correct? The 26th? Yep, yep, on Wednesday, sometimes Wednesday evening. I think they're doing it on a TV special, yep. um, so that, that'll be coming up here in a couple of days. Uh, we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, um, probably between Nebraska, LSU, uh, Iowa, and Michigan, um, most likely. So he's coming up on a decision here. Well, tell the world what you think. <laughs> so uh, my my thoughts have not changed uh, for quite some time. I still think that the pick is Nebraska. I think that he has the strongest relationship um, with not just the coaching staff, but also the, the other recruits in the class, uh, players on the team. Like it's, it's a total team effort um, there, and it doesn't hurt that a Nebraska has been on him as, as long as any school. Um, that's recruiting him. You look at schools like LSU or even when Notre Dame and Michigan came into the picture, it was a lot later than Nebraska did. Um, And it doesn't also hurt that he and his family are are all Husker fans, um, and he grew up wanting to play for the Huskers. So I still think that the Huskers end up being the pick. Well, that'll be great. We will no doubt uh, react to the Fedoni decision for Thursday's show and have thoughts leading up to it. Greg, uh, big-time get for Nebraska. Commit number 15, Kobe Bretts, uh, the safety out of uh, Omaha West Side. And I was just racking my brain. I saw the, the West Side Southeast. I did the playoff game, and I know you were on the sidelines for that. The regular season game for West Side Southeast was a 4.30 kickoff, so I caught the tail end of that. And I, I, on, on the highlight films with Brett's, there were a couple of instances where Westside was a phenomenal team. I know they got to the state title game. I know Bell West was a little too much for them. But they are, are for sure hungry this year with the number of Division One kids they've got. Really talented coach and roster. 
But with Brett, I remember vividly a couple of, of games I was doing where you've got Southeast marching in. Southeast went one and one against them. But Southeast is marching in inside the 10. It's power football time. There's a little bit of a daylight for the running back. And, and here comes Brett's downhill from his safety spot. Not only does he stone the ball carrier, he forces a fumble. There's about four of those on his highlight tape just from last season, just from his junior year. And, oh, by the way, just his first year of playing high school football. He is a big-time talent. Do you see him at Nebraska as more of a JoJo Dolman or more of a, of a, of a uh, Buddha Wright as far as – either staying at safety or, or, or rocking up a little bit and playing outside linebacker. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. You mentioned that it was his first year of playing football. I didn't realize until today, talking to Coach Front, talking to Steve Warren about him, that he didn't play in the first four games of their season. Um, so he has a really limited amount of football exposure. Um, has been, been a multi-sport guy, did some diving as well, and that's mm-hmm. where Coach Front really uh, attributed his athleticism to um, some of the uncanny things that he can do for his age on the field. I, I, I go either way. I think when I first started the day, I thought, Okay, he ends up being more of a JoJo Doman type, kind of that hybrid outside linebacker safety, and that could still end up being the case. I think his first, he'll get his first shot at staying at safety with Travis Fisher and those guys um, and trying to work there. I know Westside loves him playing safety. They think that he reads the run so well, like you were mentioning, um, and he's also got a good eye for the ball um, and being able to play in pass coverage as well. I think Nebraska got a really good athlete. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that kind of kept him from getting more attention was kind of cleaning up some academic stuff. But in talking to people at and around Westside and around his recruitment, um, he really started to lock in and focus on that with a lot of help, again, from Nebraska staff as they've been down this road before with guys um, to really get those academics cleaned up. And here he is playing for his home home state school that he grew up watching. And I can't not say the thing that that will make us all feel old because it got me. He said that his favorite Husker growing up uh, was Kenny Bell. So, welcome to the old club. Hey, well, that, that 2014 team was it was a fun team, and Kenny had a great season. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that's that's the um, that's the spectrum we're in now, Greg. More, more yeah. so, I mean, I feel real old, <laughs> but uh, you, you're you're still uh, you're still young and on on the right side of of you know thirty five forty. So you're still doing all right, man. I, uh, but no, I mean, and that's just I mean, old father time, right? Keeps on moving, and <laughs> hey, at least you've got a, a recruit and an in state recruit for that matter saying, oh yeah, I love Nebraska football growing up. I mean that that's even that that's something that's quite honestly been a little bit scarce from some of the in-state kids. Yeah, it definitely has because there's been a, a, also a weird run of really good in-state talent that has not didn't grow up at, in Nebraska mm-hmm. and spent all of their time in Nebraska as well. So they've had exposure to other programs. They maybe had other family members that played elsewhere as well. Um, but it, but it was neat to hear that from, from Kobe, where you know he was definitely a diehard Nebraska fan growing up. Um, he even said he likes to watch the old school kind of Tommy Frazier highlights. And one of the things that he mentioned was 
could I ask him, like, what, what's it like kind of, you know, you knew of Scott Frost, obviously, you knew of Barrett Root, who's the lead and state recruiter. What was it like having those guys recruit you? And it's like, it, it was a dream come true to be able to get recruited by those guys. You hear stories about them and to have them wanting me to then carry on that tradition is really neat. I know you caught up with Kobe this morning and, and check that out here, varsity.com. Great write-up from Greg. And as he caught up with uh, the new commit, we're working on Kobe for tomorrow with his schedule. But I'll say this, when, let's go back to his athleticism and his burst. I mean, it's really pretty special, and we'll talk more with Coach McBride about this. But Nebraska, we know they need outside linebackers. But Nebraska's found just football players that are athletes that they can think about maybe putting some weight on. And it feels like that there's... There's a plan for these kids to play, even if it doesn't work out. And I'm not saying this about about Brett's or other kids, but I'm just saying not everybody's going to get either the snaps or the reps or or make the transition to college. So do you have a a scholarship that's just empty with a kid that maybe minimally uh, contributes at his recruited spot versus finding a spot he can go thrive? And I think... Frost and his staff are doing such a good job of cross-training kids, or they're going after prospects that they're cross-trainable. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that it's smart, and it's a way that Nebraska kind of has to recruit in those cases. There's a couple of things there. I think that Nebraska has to be a team um, that they're not going to have a huge margin for error, so they're not going to just be able to cycle through guys um, if you have a, a handful of players in a particular class, and we've seen this in recent years, right, even before Frost was here, where if you have, you know, a handful to almost double digits guys that kind of flame out, it can really set you back. But if you have guys that are versatile and that can maybe do something else for the team or find a way to contribute, so like you said, it's not that empty scholarship, um, that helps your team out a lot. Plus, you have guys that are versatile and can do a lot of different things that can only make all areas of your team better. Um, I'm thinking particularly of special teams as well because you can see those guys contribute on special teams too that they're not able to crack the two deep um, at their given position. Greg, I saw you tweet out this morning uh, that it could be a big week for the Huskers on the recruiting trail. We got Kobe Bretts in this morning. Thomas Fedoni could be coming Wednesday. But if it's a big week, are there any other names you're looking at to maybe join the, uh, the recruiting class this week? So I don't know if anyone else has joined the recruiting class this week, and we'll see with Fedoni on Wednesday. Uh, but I do, I'm do. i still keeping an eye out on what happens with the rest of the tight end situation with Nebraska. I still think uh, that James Carney, the tight end out of Norris, is close to getting an offer from Nebraska. Um, and I still think that if he gets that offer, that he'll jump on that um, pretty much as soon as possible. We're also still waiting on A.J. Rollins um, and what his final decision is going to be. I think he's down between Nebraska and Missouri at this point. Um, so when you start thinking about those types of situations, they could happen at any moment. And you, you think about what we've seen from this Nebraska staff under Frost. Is they're good to pull a rabbit out of the hat and have somebody come out of nowhere? And it seems like about half of their commits end up being that way. So you just never know what's going to end up happening there. You know, Greg, you detailed just how, how long Nebraska had recruited uh, Kobe Bretts and the, the academic side of things were – I don't want to say a concern, but it, but it kept the offer from having until things were in place. Uh, when it comes to just uh, what you like most about Brett's film, I want to get this before we we let you get back to the Fedoni practice you're at. What what wows you most about what you see on film? Oh, I think the ability first of the athleticism definitely jumps off the page, it jumps off the screen. But I think the 
willingness and ability to come down and make a tackle. And I think immediately of something, I think one of the first things Travis Fisher ever said to us um, is that to be able to play um, in his room, you're going to have to not turn down tackles, right? Um, and now that may have been a not-so-thinly-veiled shot at cornerbacks that they had previously that they inherited, which they helped uh, get that better. But still, that was that's true. Like, you're going to have to hit if you're going to play for Travis Fisher. And I think that, that was that's definitely something that really stands out um, outside of his athleticism, which everyone that you talk to about Kobe Bradts will definitely rave about. Greg, good stuff. We'll uh, look forward to your practice update and uh, your thoughts on Thomas Fedoni for Wednesday and into Thursday. And, and great stuff with uh, Kobe Bretts earlier today. And a nice get for Nebraska. We'll have a, a few thoughts. Elijah and I will hear next segment on the commitment. Uh, McBride's coming up. Maybe a Lars Anderson sighting, but plenty of thoughts here on the Big Red parents and uh, their attorney. Greg, uh, get to that water cooler, dude. It's 1,000 degrees with 2,000% humidity. How are you holding up in this heat? I need one of these kids to hand me a water bottle. None of them look like they want to help a guy out. It's, it's okay, though. It's COVID uh, season. They can't be keeping No, you can't share. Oh, that is true. That is true. I do have my mask, though. So no, I know. I know. I know. You're standing 6,000 feet away doing a radio hit under the goalpost. And we, <laughs> I am we, close to the goalpost. We love you for it. Uh, Greg, you can show on some option football, though. You were an option quarterback, weren't you? I was an option quarterback. Maybe they'll let me go out there with Tony and uh, do a little belly option. I love that. Greg uh, Smith, the uh, the option pass, tight end, wide open down the middle, man. I tell you what, Nebraska fans are just shaking their head right now, nodding. Yes, sir. <laughs> Find me some Johnny Mitchell. Greg, uh, stay safe and healthy. Thanks for the update and thanks for the report. Hey, thanks as always. You guys have a great week. Me too. There he is. Greg Smith sweating in Council Bluffs. On the scene, man, checking out Fedoni. Good for him, but we'll, uh, we'll spend a few more minutes on... Kobe Bretson, talented dude, uh, big get, and that whole West Side team is frankly loaded. <laughs> They're just really good. Uh, moving forward in this first hour on Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to uh, Greg Smith for joining us. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So you've got the uh, Daily Tar Heel throwing out the fact that the uh, university dashboard has updated its COVID-19 number to, say it with me, 31.3% positivity rate uh, in Chapel Hill. The uh, percentage of preseason ranked teams in today's released AP Top 25 32.1% cannot compete for the national championship. 32% of the ranked preseason top 25 is not playing football this fall. That's number two, Ohio State. That's number seven, Penn State. That's number 12, uh, Wisconsin. That's number 16, Michigan. Iowa's in there. USC and Oregon. Oregon's in at uh, number nine. So, uh, a little frustration there. Back to recruiting. And, you know, I look at the offer that happened on Friday for, for Kobe Bretts, and he detailed the, the phone call from Frost and the fact that Nebraska really wanted him. <clears throat> and 
the uh, the phone call that he made Sunday night to Coach Frost to, to become commit number fifteen. I I did not know that that and we'll talk more about this with Kobe tomorrow. That I mean, this guy's a, a phenomenal fluid athlete, and he's a he's a swimmer diver, and his first year of ball <laughs> was last year. And I, I can't tell you how many impactful plays the, the guy made in such a short time. And from a from a scouting and just you look at some of the national scouts that are with either rivals or 24-7, I mean, he doesn't have the, the same pop rating-wise as, as Avante Dickerson, but he's mates with him in the backfield. Both those guys, for God's sake, are, are locking down most of Class A Nebraska. And from a, a comparison standpoint, there are folks that really like, and he's not a top 100 recruit like Avante, but there's not much difference if you talk to some folks. And I know that sounds like, yeah, sure, Nebraska fan. But in all honesty, I mean, I really like Brett's and his ability not only to go smoke people, but Elijah, you know this and I know this. I mean, what, what type of, of tackler are you going to be when you get out of high school. And I know there's limited contact. It's way different than back in my day, back in Greg's day of, of, of ball. It's, it's different even now from when you played. And to get better, you got to bang heads. But people are very concerned, obviously, in today's climate with COVID. But pre-COVID, you just, you're having more and more dialing back of contact. And that really just screws your craft, quite honestly. And there's there's a there's a there's a safety aspect to it, which I understand, and a long term health effect that is very real when you look at NFL players once they retire, or even causing retirement, or even causing college retirement, or even getting guys to just tap out after high school. I look at uh, a guy like Brett's, and he's a dude that is coming into his senior season. At 6'2", 195, that just puts himself in great position to tackle low and also use that left or right shoulder to smoke somebody between their shoulder pad and waist. He is a really, really good high school tackler. Okay, That is not a really, really good college tackler. But you know what? I'll take that application potential. And getting a guy that is great at diagnosing the run, can cover, and can whack you over the middle and separate receiver from ball is is fantastic. But where this dude thrives is being kind of a, and I'm going to throw a name out for you, and he's not even close to the same body type, but Larry Asante was a really nice missile in Polini's secondary. Larry Asante was that, uh, that safety with O'Hanlon in 09, where they came downhill and they they whacked people. If somebody actually you know got by Sue or the linebacking core, here comes Larry Asante to, to rip your jaw off. So I I think God love him if he wants to play safety and can be good enough to be a guy in, in Travis Fisher's room. But I like what Nebraska's doing. I can't wait to talk to Coach McBride about this because this is what Nebraska did in in the early nineties. They, they took safeties and then they would they would they would develop guys up to be able to play 
at outside linebacker. Think of, think of Jamel Williams, okay? Think of Eddie Stewart, who played middle. But you get my point. You look at Levante David. You look at Terrell Farley. I mean, these were, these, and I mean this, this term with respect, but they were tweeners that could put a little bit of weight on, keep their size, speed, agility, and go rock people off the edge. Now, it helped having a, a, a Wistrom and Peter, <laughs> but you had really track speed athletes that were football players on the edge. And if, if, if Nebraska's saying, you know what, man, I like our safety prospects that we can go get a lot better than what's left over for the outside linebacking co- you know, group in 2021, go ahead, start, start hammering and chiseling with what you think you can put on weight-wise to a kid and stick him at a spot. And you mentioned the tackling, and I, I'm not going to discount that. It's impressive how well he tackles for only playing It's a football. highlight tape, but... For, for one year in high school, it's, it's tackling's impressive, but what stands out to me is his closing speed. Right. I mean, there's one play, it's not closing speed, but just pure speed. It's the state championship game on a snowy field, slick, and he is on the other side of the field and chases down the uh, the Bellevue West ball uh, just, carrier just, just, about what, what 70 you, yards down What the you field. just said... Uh, you chase down a Bellevue West ball carrier. Yes. So that's that's one thing specifically to go, oh, well, wow. But this thing's like, this should have been a house call. Yeah, and he sprints 80, 90 yards And he took a great field. angle, and he flew. And he's not like a 4-3, four, 4-4, four, 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 probably even a 4-5 guy. I mean, I don't know. We'll have to give Steve Warren a text and get his 40 time. But point is, is he's football fast. Yeah, it's stuff you can't teach. Right. He's football fast. He's smart. And... The way he plays in high school, the way he patrols, the way he tackles, and he's bigger and longer. And I, I, this word come, this name coming out of my mouth isn't fair because it's so unfair to say. But when I watch him tackle and diagnose, I think of Mike Brown. Now he's not. He and Mike Brown, okay? And, and please don't, oh, Schmidt said he's Mike Brown. No, do not put that on this kid's shoulders. I'm saying that's what he reminds me. I said Larry Asante, okay, in the bow defense, kind of coming downhill, finding the gap and smoking a ball carrier, getting off a block from a fullback or an H-back. I watch Mike Brown. I mean, we all love Mike Brown. Watch Mike Brown. Coach McBride loves Mike Brown. And that's that's – the type of play that you got from Mike Brown and Warfield and, and dudes in the secondary for Nebraska. Um, and then again, getting that speed on the edge. And if this is Nebraska's plan to go get athletes and ball players that are, are cross trainable. So they have options at the college level. Good. And if you can get Brett's, uh, to, to be an outside backer and be able to move and be fluid like a Gifford, I'm all good with that. We'll wind down Hour 1. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, we do have a Lars Anderson siding 540. So we'll get uh, some thoughts from Lars. We'll spend some time next hour on uh, Mike Flood's statement with the Nebraska parents in the what? Uh, no response from the Big Ten office. So that's coming up. Charlie McBride, uh, Mr. Blackshirt, will be with us. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800 825 
5865. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. And are, are you moving in 2020? Uh, West Blue Realty can help with that. They specialize in residential home sales and uh, areas around the Lincoln community. Uh, if you're looking for a home, they can uh, provide that help. They're located at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. And a couple of folks at West Blue are there to help. Tom Luby at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, uh, also fantastic at 402 202 312, it pays to work with West Blue. So uh, they also handle agricultural land. If you're looking to sell some ag land, they have an auctioneer. They can handle live auctions and sealed bids and general land listings. They've sold land all over uh, the great state of Nebraska, Lancaster, Odo, Seward counties. They can help you out with a large radius. WestBlueRealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So, Elijah, you had one course today in lecture hall there were uh, plenty of social distancing uh, mandates that were observed you had do you have a denver mask did you what type of mask yeah. so you do have a donkey mask i wore my broncos mask thank you very much okay. and uh that would keep people 12 feet away well the worst part is, is i was driving to campus and i was tired at like eight o'clock this morning so i grabbed myself how a late coffee. were you up doing video games uh, I just got PGA Tour 2K21, so... So I'm not wrong. So, like, midnight. A little past midnight. All right. Okay. But I, I went and grabbed myself a coffee, and then I realized I was an idiot, because I'm sitting in my car. I'm like, I can't drink coffee with a mask on in class, so Can I just, you, like, undo it and sip, or do you have to get a straw? And that's pretty gutsy to try and do coffee with a straw, unless it's a nice deal. Yeah, no, you just... You have to sit with the mask on while you're in the classroom, or I guess while you're in a building, you have to have your mask on. I'm not sure how it works if you, like go to the bathroom, I don't think they're going to be like, you know, if you take your mask off in the bathroom, I don't think anyone's going to be mad at you. I don't think they can be. But, like, it's just, I was like, I wish I could just sit there and drink my coffee, you know? Well, and I'm sure, Elijah, folks would would love to see the mustache. Got an email from Todd. Todd checks in at uh, chris at hailvarsity.com. Nebraska should go independent and establish a deal with Netflix to televise every game. They should at least look into it. It could be... It could work. GBR. Todd, I love your enthusiasm. That would be fun. I mean, we could absolutely get added to Army's schedule. Now, time's wasting. I mean, Army's got 11 games on their docket. I think the rest of the Big 12 would think about it briefly. I don't know. But uh, that's that's the next, like, wave, right? Do you get a deal with YouTube TV? Do you get a deal with Netflix? Amazon, I mean, stream it. That's uh, that's something to look into because you're going to have a whole new world of, of rights and opportunity to make some money with the next rights fees coming up in 2025. And you're going to have a different looking college football world. Don't kid yourself. Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman's right about the long memories that some of your Big Ten member schools will have. That's Ohio State, that's Nebraska, that's Iowa, that's Penn State. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride's next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Thanks for hanging out. Hour two. It's Monday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's that time of day. It's Mondays with Charlie. Coach Charlie McBride with us. Mr. Blackshirt. Coach, how was the weekend? Is it as hot and sticky up there as it is down here? <laughs> That's not quite as bad as I don't think down there. It's not not as not as sticky as it, it, it can be around here. And we were lucky. It's probably one of our better days we've had. Well, that is good. It was about 80% humidity at 6 this morning. Just just passing that <laughs> along for you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we got a lot. To get, go, go ahead. Sound good practicing. <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah, it's... Yeah, uh, we, I wish we were practicing. Yeah, I know. Well, let's uh, dive into... Some thoughts. Uh, Bill Moose uh, spoke with the, the Journal Star and World Herald, and uh, some more has come out from, from the weekend, you know, the Sunday morning uh, column. And, you know, uh, Bill Moose did a really nice job of just describing the, 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 the process mm-hmm. and, quite honestly, the, the lack of communication where an athletic director and coach were not part of the same call as the medical people that were advising, nor were the yeah. coaches and athletic directors part of the conversation with the, the chancellors and presidents. And Nebraska's probably unique with the chancellor and president and coach and athletic director all being a unified voice. That's not that way everywhere. But I tell you what, there's a lot of schools who probably don't know what Nebraska was thinking because it wasn't communicated that way. And I want your take on what what the job of the commissioner should have been. Should he have been a lobbyist for the for the coaches and athletic directors, or is he beholden to the chancellors and presidents? Well, I think number one is he's new, and I don't think he his background shows you that he's somebody that really understands the whole insides and outs of athletics and college football. I mean, he may have been around it and that, but I think the thing is, is when you, you're an athletic director and you're responsible for the financial end of it, you're responsible for the health end of it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to balance a lot of times, and that's what they're doing right now. I think, you know, there's too much um, information going out that probably isn't totally true. Um, you know, you, you you know, I'm not an expert at this, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, even the numbers and things uh, have been a little distorted. And, you know, you're finding more out every day about, uh, you know, uh, different research things that people have tried to pump up and, they really haven't been really worked at enough. And I know on one in particular one, they had, a, you know, uh, they were talking a little bit about the heart problem. And mm-hmm. the age group was 49 years old, the average age of the people that they were talking about. And, and of course, that's one of the things I think they used in the Big Ten was maybe that particular research study that was going on. And and then when you only talk about one thing and you you don't really look into a lot of it, you know, it's it like I said, it's like coaching. Sometimes you know you have four assistants or something, and and, and yourself, and 
you know, if you're trying to make all the decisions for for all of them, I think you need to have all of them because um, five heads are probably better than one uh, because all of the things will, you know, you'll be able to see things in the corners. And I think that the communication thing is shot. Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge mistake that they made. I think the Southern schools did the right thing in waiting and were patient until they could go through a lot of this stuff with with their chancellors. There's chancellors that don't have a clue about what the, the financial ends of, of the athletics. I mean, you know, I talked to a couple of guys. I don't want to name the schools, but they were just so out of it that they didn't, you know, they weren't even worried about it. They weren't they they kind of let athletics sit over there and let them take care of themselves and things like that. And I think that's one of the biggest failures you have a lot of times in education because education is everything. You know, somebody says, well, it's just this or that. Or Education is going to school and learning about everything, and especially if you're maybe a special student that is good in math or good in science or whatever the case is, um, you're, you're really interested in that line. And if you're an athlete, most guys have them know better than they can't play in the NFL. No, they don't have a chance, you know, to play, but maybe want to give it a chance, but they know darn well that you can't eat the football. And you got to get something done. You know, you got you to gotta look ahead in your life. you got 60, 70 more years, 80 maybe, years of your life. You better prepare for, and if you think a football is going to do it, you're nuts. But it is a it is a motivating thing for a lot of players who have this ability to do that. And just like anything else, just like if you're a, a great tuba player, maybe you want to play in a band the rest of your life or something. It, you know, it's just who knows. Each person has his own his own niche. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that when he when he made a decision, it sounded like he didn't take into a lot of consideration anything, but. Maybe some of the people had said, oh, let's close it down and, you know, then we don't have to worry about it and all this kind of stuff. I think in the long run, you're probably going to get a lot of a lot more negative things come out of the research part of the thing that that these these coaches, these, um, uh, you know, people that have made the decisions. Who knows that different schools are different ways. But in this case, it looks like pretty much the commissioner made the made the, the final decision on the whole thing, and nobody at the universities really had a whole lot of input. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie, Hale Varsity Radio. And these are my words. It just felt like a rigged game, Coach. I mean, it just felt there was no shot. You had certain voices from certain parts of the university Excluded. How how can you think it's it's not a good idea to get everybody on a speaker together and let's just let's just hash it out. Let's just talk it out. Let's get all points of view. And right. that I just can't believe that. I mean, I guess I, I should shouldn't be shocked, but I can't believe that it, it it's gone down like. I mean, he's on he's on a conference call or was earlier with over a hundred student athletes, ads, and coaches. 
and great. That's nice that you're talking to them, but it's two weeks too late. You've already yeah. made your decision. Yeah, I, I really, I really think that you know you have to go. You, have, you really have to take the time. You have the time. Sure, it's gonna. It could be a crash program. You know mm. what I mean? If you decide yes, we're going to go to it. But you've looked at all the different angles that you know that it could take, and you got people on your side right now. He made a decision, uh, and and number one, I don't think he was qualified to do it just on his own. But again, it's the same old thing. We're there to protect the athletes, and then same old story, you know. And and the athletes understand that before it even started. That mm-hmm. that's you know that's. A, they're, they're at a school that they've been told, their parents have been told you know, about their 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 uh, health programs and all the things that people that work for them and what they do, their trainers, their doctors, their, everything's been told to them. So they're really, you know, they're, that's part of the recruiting process. And then when you get into something like this and you just, you know, go off and, and who, who knows what the right thing is? Mm-hmm. Exactly, but you're never going to find out, uh, you know, along the road unless, you know, something happens. There's been so many guys with I think this and I think that, that, uh, you know, it's kind of unusual. Let's let's find out. Now, you can always stop a pro. You can always stop the thing in the middle of it. Sure. I mean, if it gets to a point where it's out of hand. But if you give it a chance and you let the medical people take care of their, their people, you know, and I watch stuff on TV right now. I'm watching the pros and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about being, you know, distant from each other. That's a bunch of garbage. And the guys are next to each other, standing there talking, put their hands on each other, patting each other on the back, doing everything you would do. And they're doing almost this more practice than they would get in a real game. And uh, you know what? You, you know you got to look at some of that stuff. And sure, maybe there's something that comes out. Maybe there's a guy that tests positive, but he doesn't. He feels good. He does all this stuff. You know, who knows? Maybe some of us have been carrying this around forever. Who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you know, until you until you really find out, and then you know, then you get the political side of it, where you just wonder sometimes if. A lot of this stuff is in, you know, smoke and mirrors and, you know, and people just wanting it, wanting things to do that, wanting to shut down things and wanting to, you know, I can't, I can't believe what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. around with some of the, you know, all the other businesses along with athletics. But when you're talking millions and millions of dollars to support both men's, women's athletics, well, you're, you're really, you're not, can, and you're not just talking about one school. You're, you're talking, talking about, about all of them. and uh, I think it. I think it's probably uh, uh, the, we we got a new commissioner. Probably, you know, not nothing against him because I don't know anything about him. But it, it, what I little I do know that that in here that there probably wasn't enough communication mm-hmm. between everybody in general. Coach, I want to switch gears. Nebraska got another commit, kid out of West Side, and he's a safety, 6'2", 195, really good hitter, good high school tackler, new to football, but doesn't look like it. 
Uh, Coach Frost got that phone call last night, and uh, Kobe Bretz is his name out of Westside, and uh, there's a chance that he could stay at safety. There's also a chance that they may move him up to outside linebacker, similar to what they did with Toby Wright's son, uh, Buddha, uh, making that switch. Coach, what did you look for? in safeties that you moved up to outside backer? Because I know you guys did that as part of your 4-3 revamp. Quit like him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, thanks for that answer. <laughs> you know, we, you know, you'd always look for, you know, for a guy that was a banger, you know, that liked to hit and, yeah. and uh, you know, had some speed and had some athletic uh, savvy, you know, and mm-hmm. usually – instinctively uh, safeties are, are guys that you know you can really tell if they can tackle and do things like that and if you were given a scholarship on that with that in mind uh, I think you know that to, to, to move them to linebackers is the first thing I I do I mean you would think you know I mean I don't know how many kids I mean Eddie Stewart comes right to my mind who's a who's a top player, you know, uh, in high school and, and at that time, and he decided to come to Nebraska, and, and when he was told he was going to be a linebacker, he wasn't real happy. But as it ended up, he was an All-American. Mm-hmm. And so the move was right. And I think a lot of times when, when that's happened, and, and kids in Nebraska know that. They know that we, in the past years, that lineback kids in the secondary have been moved because look at in college and pro ball now, you don't have to be as big as they used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be able to run, and you've got to have the instinctive, and you've got to be a good, you know, you know be able to have good ball skills. And so there's a lot of things that come into it. But the idea that, you know, you get kids like that, boy, they're golden. I mean, I'm not kidding you. You, you don't know what, how big that kid might be. He might end up being a tight end. Who knows? You know, I mean, you just don't know. And I think that's the important thing is the development. Once you get a player like that that you know is a good football player, it's get him in the right spot and, and do a good job of developing develop him at that position. And I think one of the things that I will say, I think we did a good job of developing a lot of uh, kids that were maybe on that second level that weren't four stars and mm-hmm. up and so on and so forth. But probably by the end of it, you know, when you're talking about first-round draft choices and you're talking about kids that, you know, that came in that were walk-ons that were you know, playing in the NFL and things like that, Somebody developed and made them, you know, made them be the kind of players that they are because they knew they had the attitude and they knew they had the willingness to work to get to be good. And uh, I think probably Dolman's another example of a kid that's been kind of mushed around a little bit but never, you know, never batted an eye. Um, Gary, who's playing for the Eagles now as a defensive yeah. back, knock your socks off and, you know, and then look at what he's playing linebacker and stuff like that. So they made right, the right move on that kid, I would say. And I don't know him from the man and the moon, but mm-hmm. I just look, you know, you look a little bit at his height and his speed and his weight. We had we had rush ends. They put their hand on the ground over 195 pounds. Okay. But they could get to the quarterback like you couldn't believe. <laughs> you no, I, I think they could. And, and I think it's – and we'll spend some more time next week on – you know that uh, that speed element and that that hybrid player that that could 
come in as a safety but leave as a linebacker and uh, kind of that reshuffling of the D. Coach, well, good, go ahead. A good example real quick is, is Doman. How yeah. many times you see him make a great play and he's, you know, he was a defensive back and mm-hmm. things like that. So, well, listen, I'm looking forward to it next week. We'll see how things develop. I hope so too, Coach. You take care, stay safe and healthy, okay? Okay, I'll do it. Take okay. care. Thanks for having uh, me. Thank you, Coach. Charlie McBride with us on Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, big thanks to Charlie McBride. Mr. Blackshirt uh, was with us last segment to get Monday kicked off. Catch that interview, ESPNLincoln.com. The on-demand section, Elijah also uh, has or will have the full interview posted on Twitter. And uh, follow ESPN Lincoln, follow Hale Varsity. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. 15 minutes away, Lars Anderson will check in. We'll see how and if things are shaky with football down in the SEC. What's happening down in Bama? And Lars's take on <laughs> the Big Ten and Pac-12. It's been a while since we've chatted with Lars, so we'll get uh, close to about 10 minutes with Lars here around 540, 466-3776, 466-3776-800, 825-5865. Those are the numbers to get in. We've touched on uh, Kobe Brett's uh, standout uh, talent from Westside, uh, kind of the makeover Nebraska's doing with uh, getting that cross-trainable athlete that has got secondary ability, but it can also maybe play on the outside. Are you good with Nebraska uh, looking at uh, those safeties and maybe making them outside backers? And I say that because it takes me back to a lot of conversations we've had with Coach McBride, the Eddie Stewart example, the Jamel Williams example, the Terrell Farley example, where you get a Sam or a Will linebacker that are speed demons and were, were safeties that they moved up to outside linebacker. I mean, I think of Tony Ortiz, uh, who else? Uh, Julius Jackson. I mean, some of those great defenses in the late 90s and all through the 1990s where you had guys that were able to make that shift and be outside backers that were safeties. And they, they were able to cover, but they were able to, to really be good against the run and not to put too much pressure on a guy like Brett's out of Westside. We, we hope to catch up with Kobe tomorrow. But he is a really nice tackler coming out of high school and still has a, a senior season left, and good for him. He's getting to play his high school ball, at least because the Westside School District is still having football. Yeah, but looking at things the other way, if he does stick at safety, look at the big bodies you have in that secondary room. You got out. Farmer. Yeah, well, you got Braxton Clark at six foot four. You got uh, Quentin Newsom at six foot two. You got Javen Wright at six foot three. And Wright's going to be an outside backer. Javen Wright has moved up. Yeah, okay. Buddha. Yeah. Um, but then you. Bring it back. I mean, Nabab Joseph, six foot two. It's a big, big, big secondary group that you know add in six foot two uh, Kobe Bretts to, and that's formidable for any Big Ten offense to open guys that are all above six foot that are going to be as tall, if not taller, than your wide receivers. They're going to hit you. They are going to hit you. Uh, speaking of of uh, uh, contact, uh, you have zero contact back from the Big Ten office. Let's get you updated here with. Uh, Senator Mike Flood, uh, lawyer Mike Flood, is 
He is representing 11 Nebraska families. You know, last week a letter was penned by uh, Attorney Flood and the 11 Nebraska parents. They were requesting the following. They wanted all documents relating to all votes regarding whether to cancel, postpone, or delay fall sports, including results of all such votes, including how each, gen, how, each, how each council member voted, all meetings minutes reflecting such votes, all audio and video recordings and transcripts of all meetings at which all such votes were cast, all conference bylaws and or rules and regulations governing, governing the decision-making process and all assessments, memorandums, studies, scientific data, and any other medical information and or advice considered by the council. Coach McBride let us know that part of the study that was being used, and this is the the question on the heart ailment, is y- you have you have that that heart issue, but I mean you're looking at the forty nine year old demographic. You're not looking at eighteen to twenty four year olds, or even eighteen to thirty five year olds, or thirty four year olds. I mean, there's. Again, you can skew and spin statistics positive, negative, or just let them be and you do your own interpretation. But for the fact that you don't have uh, the, the heart data of the age group you're discussing, men and women, is, is problematic. So what, what happens next? This is the statement from Attorney Flood. Regrettably, our office has not received any communication. Now, take a drink, (laughs) okay, because if Commissioner Warren doesn't get the ADs and the coaches and the medical people and the chancellors and the presidents all in this same Zoom meeting or, or conference call, Hate to tell you that it's slim to none and slim left town with him getting back to you. There's no communication by phone, by email, by text, by messenger pigeon, nothing, nothing back from the Big Ten office. Warren and the Big Ten have been unresponsive to our legitimate requests for this information in our letter dated August 20th. Our clients believe the transparency in decision-making is not too much to ask. When the health and students, uh, with, the, with the health of student-athletes and their future opportunities and very survival of men's and women's sporting programs are at stake, uh, Mr. Flood's going to meet with the parents <clears throat> and their sons to take the next most appropriate step. It's frustrating but these student-athletes must, on their own dime, pay to educate professional adults about basic transparency and fairness. This is from the McCaffreys. This is from the Newsoms. This is from the Benharts. This is from the Pipers. This is from Dale Robinson, Wandale's papa. This is from the Domans. This is from the Bots, the Nelsons, the Banks, the Hannas, the Snodgrasses. Coach Snodgrass and his lovely wife. So... What happens next? Does legal action take take steps forward? I think so. Why not? Keep the pressure on. Keep the sweet squeeze play going. 
I want more info after these Zoom meetings or slash conference calls today with with Warren reaching out and talking to over 100 student athletes, ADs, and coaches. Way too little, way too late. I hope he gets lit up. I hope he gets lit up by the ADs. I hope he gets lit up by the coaches. I hope he gets lit up by the players. And if in three weeks everybody's shut down, I will send an apology. Elijah, you'll say I'm sorry publicly. We were wrong. You were right. Old man up and own up. But as long as somebody still got football in play and you're watching, you shouldn't you shouldn't let up. You shouldn't give up. Just for the the why and the specifics to the why. Give me the answers. Speaking of moving towards shutting down, which I don't want to talk about, but kind of have to, uh, NC State today identified a cluster of COVID there. cases yeah. in the, their program, and they have shut down, which is a bad, bad thing for the ACC. They, they have paused. Now, I guess the way I look at this is you've got several ACC schools right now that, that are dealing, all right? I mean, you've got Carolina, where a, you have a 31% positivity rate. Uh, with COVID testing. Yeah, according to their newspaper, it's a bit of a cluster over there. You're right. The, the, the headline <laughs> from a week ago. You have, uh, N, you have Carolina, you have Syracuse, you have NC State, you have Notre Dame. But, but NC State's the first to like hit pause. Now, LSU has shut down on-campus courses. Did that today. But LSU is still proceeding with football. Clemson has had really good testing numbers, if that makes sense. What I mean by that is they've kind of put a bubble in place. So that's, that's impressive. Um, no, you're going to have folks move forward. And, and as we speak right now, <laughs> you have the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC moving forward. Now, I thought this was hilarious when it comes to stadium capacity. You have uh, Ole Miss announcing 25% capacity. Get this, and what would you do at Memorial Stadium if you had a commissioner that lets you play? Sadly, we don't. But Texas fans, Texas fans can purchase cutouts of themselves or their pets for 50 bucks. <laughs> Photos must be approved. <laughs> by school and cutouts will be displayed at all Longhorn home football games. Fan cutouts are not required to wear masks. (laughs) How good is this? That's smart from Texas. Can't you see like some A&M fan posing as a Texas fan? And you have the, uh, there was some sort of video I saw between, it might have been English Premier League. And it, it was grotesque and hilarious where you had one set of soccer hooligans on one side of the the pitch and you had other soccer hooligans that had a cutout of the other team's mascot and naughty things were happening to that other team's mascot cutout. We'll just leave it at props were used. Uh, and it was no good. But... No, I mean, if you're a Nebraska fan and if, let's just say, in a wonderful world where it's a limited capacity versus no capacity, hey, it'd be awesome to have, uh, I, I, w- I don't know, I would probably put a cutout of Junior 
in red, or I'd do a cutout of Gertie the German. I'd, I'd spend 50 bucks on my pet. There's got to be a way to get something funny on one of those. Right. Well, there's got to be something you, you slips can, through the cracks. You can still be funny, but it can be appropriate. Well, yeah, it can yeah, be yeah. approved. Yeah. But 50 bucks. I mean, I, I think that's not too much to ask. How big are the cutouts? That's a better question. And can you keep them once the season's done? Pete's on the line. Pete, we got about a minute. Go ahead. Pete, you're on, partner. Hey, how you doing? Good, brother. Got about one minute. Go for it. Quick question. Uh, The Big Ten's going to lose somewhere around a billion dollars in revenue, uh, given the decision they made not to play uh, fall sports. Do you know if the commissioner and the presidents and chandlers of these colleges that made this decision, are they taking a pay cut? I would uh, hope that that's part of this deal. I do not know that for a fact. I would assume Nebraska's administration's part of the 10% uh, pay cut moving forward. But uh, they need to be if they're not, Pete. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you checking in. Yeah. I'd assume no, honestly, but I'd hope so. Why wouldn't they? I mean, like, it depends on if we're talking pay cut or just no pay whatsoever. No, pay cut as in like 10%, pay 20%. Fair, yeah. Lars Anderson's up next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's uh, check in with uh, part of the Jay Barker Show and longtime college football insider Lars Anderson with us and Lars Anderson 71 on Twitter. Lars, thanks for making time. Know it's a busy time for you and wanted to get caught up. How how are things uh, feeling down there in, in Tuscaloosa, my friend, not only with kids back on campus or supposed to be back on campus, but uh, during COVID, during the pandemic, how are you feeling uh, the stability is right now with the SEC and football moving forward? Well, uh, today was a little bit of a game changer. Um, the mayor of Tuscaloosa, Walt Maddox, who is a good friend, dear friend of mine, I was a speechwriter. Uh, he ran for governor of Alabama. He got beat, but he's still the, the mayor of Tuscaloosa. He had a joint press conference with the president of Alabama, and, uh, man, they basically said, we got a Category 5 hurricane, uh, and it's coming right at us, or it's on top of us right now. And so they announced that for the next two weeks, all bars are shut down in Tuscaloosa. And not only that, all liquor stores are basically t- shut down in the, in the county of Tuscaloosa, which makes Tuscaloosa a dry county. Uh, and uh, imagine Lincoln being dry, or Lancaster County being dry, and how that would make students feel and, and local residents. But there has been sh- such a spike in positive COVID cases among students that they know that they're on the threshold here of something really, really bad. And the University of Alabama, again, where I teach, um, they have not been super, I should say, they have not been forthcoming with the figures other than to release that uh, at one testing site uh, on Thursday, right? So when all the, all the students, when they came back on campus, the positivity rate was way less than 1%. At this one testing site on Thursday, 
it was over 28%. Man. So it's almost one in three students who, oh, I don't feel good. Uh, they're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that uh, we're on a collision course here uh, at, at Alabama, at least. And, and certainly this is not uh, just uh, uh, related to Alabama, but it, this is colleges all across the country. We're on a collision course of having uh, all classes be online and and sending the students home. Now, um, what does this mean for Alabama football? Well, most of the students, most excuse me, most of the football players are already taking all their classes online, and nothing has been formally announced. But it, it is my sense that Alabama would keep playing football even if the students were sent home. And I fully, this is just my speculation, mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen within a week. So Bama will say, all right, you're all online, football team, you're still going to kick off on Saturdays. Do you sense the rest of the big, or I should say, the, the SEC would follow suit? Do you think there's some nervousness with NC State and the ACC? The ACC's had some issues, Notre Dame. Will they stick to their guns with uh, if there's no students, there's no games. I mean, how do you see this shaking out for the three leagues uh, that are still deciding to play if, if there's not going to have kids on campus? Well, you know, uh, North Carolina, uh, one of the best academic institutions in the country, they suspended classes for three weeks because of a of an outbreak of COVID, and that was really just traced to one party or two parties. Mm-hmm. And, man, if you go down to Tuscaloosa – Every bar has been packed. Nobody's wearing masks. And uh, sororities, fraternities just acting uh, uh, like, um, you know, uh, that they just, they've been bottled up for 150 days, which a lot of these kids have. And uh, they're just having a good time and acting like 18, 19, 20-year-olds. But the fact that North Carolina has come out and said, hey, we're going to play football, at least it it appears that way, even if students aren't in class, um, I I think that sends a message to the rest of the ACC. Mac Brown, has the head coach at North Carolina, has commented about how, well, you know what, now we can put our players in a bubble. And they really can't. Uh, and, and they've done that at Alabama. Like, uh, the, the, the positivity rate of tests among the players at Alabama has been extremely low and not reflective of the entire student population. Um, so I do think uh, that at least the SEC and the ACC will move forward. Notre Dame is a little bit of a wild card because the uh, chancellor – and the president of Notre Dame, as you know, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, came out early. They both came out early and said, hey, no students, no football. Well, <laughs> you know, they're having outbreaks there, and currently the students are not in class. Uh, the football team is still practicing. They may change their tune just simply because of financial reasons. Lars, I've got two minutes. I need a thought. Uh, as you've seen the world uh, as a national reporter, but also a guy down in SEC country, your take on Commissioner Warren of the Big Ten? Well, I think he's in a tough position, and um, and and I think it's been overblown the fact that 
he has a son who plays in the SEC, and he's playing football. That's not fair to him. Um, look, the guy took over the job in January. Uh, the, the, the problem is, it, it, and, and this is really what causes sort of a PR crisis, is the lack of transparency. Uh, you have the Penn State athletic director saying, I don't really know, was there a vote or was it not? There was, there was, a, there was a vote. There was a vote, and, and you didn't have the ADs or the coaches teamed with the medical people nor the presidents or chancellors. No, but they all didn't sit down together. That didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, and it just, uh, I, I do think he will survive. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I really do feel poorly for the guy because he has become the national punching bag for all of this. I mean, you tell me, Chris, you're, you, and I'm curious because I'm a native Nebraskan mm-hmm. and uh, I love Big Ten football. Uh, do you think he survives? I think he survives because he sided with the people that got him hired. He shouldn't survive based on his job performance. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, a lot of, you know, would things be different? Let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's always funny when the uh, the caller is asking the questions. But would things be different in the Big Ten if Jim Delaney was still the, the commissioner? Absolutely. Yes, there would. So? There'd be, would, there'd they be con- be, would they still be playing? They, they wouldn't have punted. They wouldn't have pulled the plug yet. I guarantee you that. Delaney- well, that, 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 that is my number one issue, both with the Big Ten and Pac-12, is that they made a decision hastily. Mm-hmm. Why not wait? Just let's, let's see how it plays out. Let the kids practice. Let it go forward. Let's see what happens on campus. You know, the uh, Lars, the I've, got, I've inspect- got, 30, I got 30 seconds. Can I keep you for four more minutes on the other side? Do you got time? Absolutely. Hang on. Lars Anderson. He'll continue on with us. Uh, Lars Anderson, of course, part of the Jay Barker Show, longtime college football insider at Lars Anderson 71. We're talking Big Ten uh, decision-making. Commissioner Warren and some thoughts from the SEC will wind down a Monday on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. College football insider, part of the Jay Barker Show, New York Times bestselling author, uh, part with The Athletic and Bleacher Report and Sports Illustrated for 30 years of college football coverage. Lars Anderson back with us. Lars, we were talking, uh, Kevin Warren, the commissioner, we were talking timing. I had to step in on you. I'm sorry about that. Finish your thought, bud, on on the timing of this thing because we were into the part of Warren and the job he's done, the poor communication, and just the, the upheaval that exists and how you didn't have all parties communicating back and forth with one another that never happened and you had some maybe him maybe some of the presidents make a decision for everybody that's going to cost billions to local communities this goes back a couple weeks okay and i'm friends with greg sankey who is the sec commissioner uh his office is just about uh four blocks from our studio Mm -hmm. and uh and i have not heard him get upset the way he was upset when the Big Ten announced unilaterally that they were going to a conference-only schedule. 
he was absolutely blindsided by that because Sankey was trying to keep this coalition of the five conferences together, and all of a sudden it felt like the Big Ten was going rogue. And then the next thing you know, the Pac-12 follows suit, and then it's like, okay, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have this alliance and just left Sankey sort of twisted in the wind. And, again, Sankey, uh, who I think is probably the most powerful guy in college football right now. Well, he is now. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 he certainly is now. No, he was really – he didn't say it, but, uh, but again, I know Greg and, mm-hmm. like, just the tone of his voice, there was so much annoyance in, in what uh, uh, Commissioner Warren d- did. And uh, without any consultation with uh, Commissioner Sankey, and, you know, it, it, the, the relationship has gone downhill since then. And, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, it, I, I mean, you know, the SEC and Greg Sankey, they've been preaching patience, patience, patience. And I'm not saying it's going to work. I don't know if it will. Uh, we've had outbreaks at Alabama. There are outbreaks at, 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 at Auburn uh, here in the South uh, and at other schools across the country. However, the teams themselves, the players, are still relatively safe because the vast, vast majority of the players, you know what they do? They take their online classes in the morning, and then they spend all day at the athletic complex, and then they go home to their respective apartments or on-campus or on housing, mm-hmm. and they don't interact with others. And the players have been immensely responsible, at least at, on, at, at, uh, where, where I am in Alabama, because they want to play. They want to play desperately. Lars, this is uh, not enough time. we got to do this sooner and uh, spend some time. I hope things move forward for uh, the SEC, and I want to see some college football this, uh, this fall. We're sick about it in Big Ten country. And uh, thanks for, for your insight uh, on – And I, I'll say ahead. real quick, too. There's no way there's going to be spring football. No way. I, and that's I don't, a whole other conversation. Well, it's hard to, to get excited for Ohio State Rutgers on January 1st when, you know, it's the, the semifinals of the national championship playoff. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel terrible. I feel terrible for the student athletes of the Big Ten and oh, the Pac twelve. It's, I really it's so do. brutal. Lars, you be good, be safe, and take care of yourself. Okay, bud, we'll talk soon. Thanks, bro. Hey, you're coming on my show soon. Thanks, All right. buddy. Be good.